In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be. Christ is baptized. He is Jordan. One more day. Tomorrow's the leave-taking of Theophany. So one more day to greet each other that way, and one more day to hear the hymns of Theophany. You heard in today's Gospel reading one of the most famous phrases of the New Testament, the first words that came out of the mouth of Christ at the beginning of His ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I thought I would talk about going back to basics. What is repentance? Talk about the word repentance all the time. We use the word repentance every day, nonstop. One of the things that I go back to often is that some of the, the most profound realizations are the simplest ones. And we need to be reminded of those simple realizations that have kind of been the catalysts to a deeper meaning in our life. So if we're motivated to repent or unto repentance, what is repentance? We talk about repentance all the time and we refer to confession as the sacrament of repentance. So I wanted to start very simply with uh, the dictionary definition, which I don't like very much. Noun, deep sorrow for repentance. Deep sorrow, compunction, or contrition for past sin, wrongdoing, or the like, or regret for any past action. It's okay. And repentance, verb, to feel sorry self-reproachful or contrite for past conduct, regret or to be conscience-stricken about a past action, attitude, etc. As in, he repented after his thoughtless act. Or to feel such sorrow or sin for fault as to be disposed to change one's life for the better, to be penitent. The second one is a little more along the lines of what I'm thinking about here. The word repent occurs in the, at least in the New King James Version of the Bible, 34 times. The word repentance, 24 times, for a combined 58 occurrences in the Bible. The word repent itself finds its origin in the Latin, repentire, to feel regret or to be sorry. The word most commonly translated repentance in the New Testament is metanya. Metanya. We use this word, or metanoia. You've seen it, probably heard or written and pronounced as metanoia. Pronounced metanya in Greek. Same word that we use for when we make a cross and a bow. Metanya is a repentance. But that word metanya means more literally a change of mind. Meta, or change... And nia comes from the word nous, mind, change of mind. And when we hear this, we begin to make sense of the word and its use in accordance with the Orthodox tradition. In the English and Latin versions of the word, we have something that's 
kind of more like a disposition or a sensation, or maybe even an emotion, like compunction, or sensation of regret for a past decision. To experience this as good, but not good enough. Because it can serve to indicate that the conscience of the person is not completely suppressed to feel regret or compunction. It serves to reveal to us that our conscience is not completely dead and hardened. That the person has awareness of his or her shortcomings or mistakes and sins, but awareness of and regret for one's mistakes is not enough. It's just the beginning. So the first two definitions don't do quite well enough. A sensation or feeling of compunction does require a level of humility, especially if being spoken of or confessed to another person, to admit it to another person. So to admit it to yourself, to feel a little pangs of conscience is one thing. Then to admit it to another person, okay, maybe that's the next step in the path of humility. Pretty good. But admission of wrong is not synonymous with alteration of the sin or the sinful behavior. The word repent, rather than being a a word of disposition or emotion, is a word of action. It's an action word. Not only including admitting, but corresponding change to the realization of one's sin. Or whatever it is, whatever it is that's weighing on you, that feels like it's holding you back, preventing you from Fulfilling the commandments of God to love God and to love others. I found this, as I did just a quick word study on the word repent and repentance, I found in 2 Corinthians these two sentences to be especially insightful in bringing out the understanding of the word repentance. So pay attention to what St. Paul is saying here. Really beautiful and insightful. He's, you know, always um, admonishing. He's teaching. He's a teacher of repentance himself. Because repentance is our way unto salvation. Right? Is it not? Well, if if the first command of Christ was to repent, (laughs) that's one that has universal application. And so St. Paul, as a minister of the gospel, is always talking about repentance. And he says this to the Corinthians. I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, not that you felt bad, but that your sorrow led to repentance. I don't want any of you just to feel bad (laughs) if it doesn't take you anywhere. You might as well be blissfully ignorant. But he says... Excuse me. I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For godly sorrow produces repentance. Godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. A lot of times what we do in our lack of maturity is we stop at the regret. We get upset with ourselves and we feel shameful. We get upset. But we, we're not willing to, to turn the key on the engine of repentance, which requires some action and some exertion on our part to take 
what is godly sorrow. <clears throat> to take what would be, I guess, maybe a, self, a selfish sorrow, feeling sorry for yourself, turning it into a godly sorrow that produces true repentance. So here we have the word sorrow, which leads to repentance or true change, which is unto salvation. So this is much more akin to the depth of understanding and application of repentance in the Orthodox tradition. If you were to, to do a word search for repentance in the church fathers, I don't know how many responses you'd get. So I just picked one to draw from. St. Ignatius. If, if you haven't seen that book called The Field by St. Ignatius, if you haven't seen it, you need to. It's a good book. Until that book was published, I was saying that the arena was one of, probably one. If I had a top three, it'd be in my top three. Written by St. Ignatius as well. Now that The Field came out, I'm not sure. They're both so good. Actually, I think the field is more of a um, accessible for popular readership, too. A lot of reflections, just reflections on various topics. And he has one on repentance. Made it easy as I was looking through the table of contents. Okay, good. I'll use him. And he has this beautiful, it's kind of like a homily that he wrote on repentance. And he says, Repent! What does it mean to repent? A certain great Holy Father answers this question. It means, yes, to admit and to feel remorse for one's sins, to abandon one's sins, and never return to them. In this way, many sinners became saints. Many wicked men became righteous. I always struggle with hearing that phrase, it is what it is. You hear that all the time, right? It is what it is. It's a coping mechanism. We use that. It is what it is. Because there are a lot of things that are outside of our control. And it would be a lot easier for us to subject our things to subject ourselves to what's outside of our control. Say it is what it is and just kind of skate along. Rather than realizing that by God's providence, everything that's going on around me is going on around me good or bad. And if it brings up some kind of struggle or some kind of negativity, it's an opportunity within me for growth and repentance. If it brings out the worst in me, thank God. Because I was blind until then. And now I know something about myself that I didn't know. But then is the hard part. Again, the crisis. What am I going to do next? But he says, by way of repentance, many sinners became saints. Many wicked men became righteous. This all begs the question of how one experiences such a true repentance. I'll give a little reflection on that and then we'll wrap it up. Repentance begins with self-awareness and willing self-awareness. Self-awareness does include admitting of sins. Admitting sins means awareness of them. And it means that by God's grace, we no longer force the conscience to go away, no longer suppressing the conscience and its convictions. If you've been 
with me in confession anytime recently. You've probably heard me say this. I've been, been something that I've really uh, come to the realization of in recent days is that now more than ever, it seems like the pangs of conscience that we experience that are really a result of the God-given faculty um, of our ability to discern the difference between right and wrong. We're being told just suppress the conscience. Put it away. Force it down. Don't feel bad. Escape. But we need to learn how to actually listen to the conscience. As a matter of fact, I think we even mistake the conscience for the Holy Spirit. We've got this God-given faculty that allows us to know ourselves in light of who God is and who He's created us to be. And I think that beginning of self-realization, a lot of times, is really the discovery of the conscience. This is the beginning of the miracle, to see our sins. But the next part's more difficult. See, to set out to truly repent, to change, to move from captivity, as the fathers say, captivity to our sinful inclinations. It is what it is, captivity, to holding them captive. We go from captivity to passions, to holding our sins and passions captive. To move from being boxed in by our sins and selfishness to boxing them out of our lives. It means drawing a line in the sand. You know, that you're not willing to cross and you're not willing to allow anything to cross onto your side. We can slowly remove the prison bars that we've created in order to free ourselves from them, but not without intense effort. And when I say back to basics, I wanted to remind you that Repentance is difficult. It requires intense effort. We can't do it without struggle, without self-deprivation, and without prayer. And often, we can't accomplish it without a measure of creativity. That means a willingness to do something other than what we would expect ourselves to do in order to solve a problem in our lives. To really change to really change. Not just to adjust our preferences, but to really change. Our problems will not solve themselves, no matter how pious we may be. Our problems will not solve themselves, no matter how pious we may be. Again, St. Ignatius. Getting, Getting practical here. He says, The soul knows that it must confess its sins. This same thought, like a bridle on a horse, helped prevent repetition of the same sins. On the other hand, unconfessed sins are committed as if in darkness. Unconfessed sins are committed as if in darkness. And they're quickly repeated. Our friendship with sin is broken by confession of sins. See, our friendship, our kindredness with sin is broken by confession of sins. Hatred for sin is a true sign of repentance, as is a firm resolve to lead a virtuous life. If you become a habitual sinner, they confess more often. Soon you'll be released from the bondage of sin, and quickly and joyfully will you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I've told people, 
Come and confess that one sin then. If there's one thing, if there's one thing, come and get it off of your chest and free yourself from it. Some of the most beautiful experiences in confession I've had is when someone has come with like two or three. This isn't to say you can't bring 10 or 20 or 30 or however many you need to unload. But as we discern what it is that we need to repent of by the grace of the Holy Spirit and by attunement to our conscience, begin to listen to ourselves and know who we are in light of Christ. Those things that are really important that we need to get rid of become more apparent. I had one person one time come and just confess one thing. And I think we were both in tears. We were both in tears. It was like, I mean, the angels were there with us rejoicing. It was so beautiful. And this opportunity is available to all of us if we're willing to nurture it, to seek it, and to change. He who constantly betrays his friends, St. Ignatius says, soon becomes their enemy. Bad in most cases, but good in this case. They abandon him as a traitor. So he who confesses his sins... He who betrays his friends, the sins in his life, is soon abandoned by these sins, which were established and strengthened through pride of fallen nature, since they cannot abide exposure and shame. All sins, whether done in word or deed or thought, are completely washed away by confession. We really believe this, beloved ones. All sins, whether done in word or deed or thought, are completely washed away in confession. But in order to erase sinful, deeply rooted habits from our hearts, we need time. (coughs) Excuse me. We need to repent constantly. Constant repentance and constant contrition. Constant battle with thoughts and feelings that were long hidden in the depths of the heart by sinful passions. Constant bridling of our flesh, constant humble prayer, and frequent confession. End of quote by St. Ignatius. Those of us who have been baptized and all who are communicants in the Orthodox Church have, were called the constant renewal of our baptism in the waters of repentance. Let's not scorn the waters that would renew us and make us clean, but let's flee unto them the waters of repentance experienced in confession. Such that after frequent cleansing, we might not even recognize ourselves. Good. Good. We might not recognize ourselves. God takes the clay that we are, and through such softening and cleansing, makes us what He created us to be. He reveals to us who we truly are. But we have to accept such an opportunity and be willing to work for it. The more I've been thinking about this, the more I've been spending time with people in confession, the more we've been working out our salvation together, doing spiritual surgery, the more I'm convinced that this work is worth dying for. The work of repentance is worth dying for. If there's something in our lives that needs to change, and there always is, We must take it seriously. We often judge ourselves on the basis of our intention. 
rather than action. Ironically, we judge others on the basis of their action, not knowing their intention. Or we misjudge their intention as if we know what they truly intend. But we judge ourselves on the basis of our intention. But our action proves our desire. And so true repentance demands that we deal with the false reality or the fantasy of our intention. Our our intention is a non-reality until it becomes manifested in the flesh of our own lives. It's a fantasy. Exposing our own hypocrisy. We have to do this in ourselves. Which is seriously unpleasant. By being honest with ourselves about our actions. About how we live in actuality. When we judge ourselves on the basis of our actions... then we can be not self-condemning, but motivated unto repentance. Change of behavior in accordance with our true convictions and our intentions. Strangely enough, too, when we start doing this, we become a lot less concerned with other people's behaviors and motives. We become much more compassionate. So, beloved ones in Christ, we can change. We can heed the words of Christ and the Baptist, repent. And with serious resolve and continued repentance, we can even begin to heed the word spoken so often during his ministry. We can heed the word of Christ spoken so often in his ministry, go and sin no more. May such a repentance be accomplished in our lives by the power of God who became man for our sake who humbled himself unto abasement and death, that we might know the way of salvation. His strength is perfected in weakness. That makes us the ideal material for his work to take place. See, if his work is perfected in weakness, that makes us the ideal material for the accomplishment of his perfection. Be it in us according to his word. Amen.